Wisconsin, though, that's just what we do. We drank. We have t-shirts in our airport that say, drink Wisconsinably. My first shot of hard liquor was Everclear. If you don't know what that is, congratulations. You have homework. It's 190 proof grain liquor. And that being your first shot is a lot like losing your virginity to a traffic cone. Everything else is smooth sailing. Yeah, I've been to therapy. They, they reel you in with that sliding scale bullshit. We don't make it commiserate with your income. I was like, all right, how much therapy can I get for a dollar? Just to see. Dude in the alley smoking a cigarette, giving advice. He was like, all right, Clark, I'm listening. I was like, all right, Frazier, um, I want to be, be happier. Gave me some wild advice. He told me, Clark, I want you to go see this musical called Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber feature. <laughs> Anybody seen it before? Yeah. You saw it? I went to see Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber, Fleet Street, and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Bring out a white dude named Steven Sondheim. Steven Sondheim? Steven Sondheim, top five lyricists. Biggie, Tupac, Jay-Z, Nas, Sondheim. Watch this. Watch this, black dudes. Who too cool for the reference? Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, character named Mrs. Lovett. Mrs. Lovett owns a pie shop. Can't afford real meat. Meat pie. Meat pie. Now, she can't afford real meat, so she used the animals in the neighborhood. It's a white woman. I'm just painting the picture. In the song, Words, Pies, and London, these are real lyrics written by a white man named Steven Sondheim, 1978. <clears throat> Mrs. Lovett has a pie shop. That's a business, but I noticed something weird. Lately, all the neighbors' cats have disappeared. <laughs> Gotta hand it to her. What a course. Enterprise. Popping pussies into pies. What? <laughs> Popping pussies into pies. Written by a white man. <laughs> Steven Sondheim was writing Cardi B lyrics before Cardi B was even born. Top five. Taken. Tried to get some of my black homies on the south side of Chicago to go see Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber Fleet Street. For the therapy. They was like, hell the fuck no, we're not going to see no Sweeney Todd, bro. Can't relate to the London musical. I'm like, bro, what you don't understand, you understand this. Sweeney Todd is about a barber with an attitude problem. Because a crooked judge won't let him see his daughter. And I'm like, bro, that sound like every barber we've ever had on the South Side of Chicago. All of them are mad at a judge and just want to see their baby girl. Like, you have to, you gotta go to therapy, man. This, this is gonna change your life, bro. Do we have any, like, straight guys here with painted fingernails? This isn't a trap or anything. This is a, yes? Oh, well, uh, cool, cool. Uh, it's not a trap or anything. Uh, what's, your, what's your name? Max. Max? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, it, Max is a sexual predator. Uh, I, I see right through your ruse. I see right through your ruse to get she slash they pussy. Okay? 
I see right through it. I see right through it. No, it's a, it's a, it's not okay, you know? If a straight guy has colorful nails, they're, they're guilty of gray area sexual misconduct, right? Like, it's like how, like for every colorful nail, every, you know like how when like a guy murders people, he'll get like a teardrop tattoo? Like every colorful nail on a straight guy's hand, that's like, that's a weird date that they've been on. Um, you know, it's not okay, you know? All, all, you, all you fellas who are uh, gay for pussy, you're on notice. Um, IUD, for those who aren't familiar, is a form of birth control, and there are two different types. They have hormonal IUDs and then non-hormonal IUDs. And the hormonal IUDs are hilarious because they all have very whimsical sounding names. They all sound like Disney fairy godmothers, right? <laughs> Just like, Mirena, Kylina, Skyla, and Lyletta. <laughs> darling, not to worry. <laughs> we'll help. <laughs> Come. <laughs> Keep coming. <laughs> Come all over us. <laughs> the non-hormonal IUD sounds a little more aggressive. They called it the Paragord. <laughs> Sounds like a goddamn bridge troll from Lord of the Rings, okay? It sounds like it's guarding the castle where the hormonal IUDs live. Just slapping dicks out of the way. Paragon! So that's the one I went with. <laughs> My parents, though, they're the reason that I've always been obsessed with love, because I grew up hearing their love story. See, they, they met on a blind date, got engaged on the second date, married six months later, happily married now for over 30 years, right? Yeah. Beautiful story of love. True story, my mom needed a green card and it worked out, but you know, love. Love is love. Uh, my dad, uh, my dad's actually from Mexico. My mom is from Argentina and both of them are Jewish, so that's what happened here. And... Yeah, if you wondered the arithmetic on that, it's pretty much Mexican Jew plus Argentinian Jew equals a guy that looks like he loves the Gap, which is, uh, which is true, I do. I love a good pair of khakis. Some people get thrown off when I say that I'm Latino, especially when I pronounce it Latino. They're just like, no. Somebody studied abroad. <laughs> just like. For those of you who don't know, it's a birthmark, that's what it is. It doesn't lower my self-esteem enough for me to fuck you. <laughs> Although sometimes people do stare and I am like, hey buddy, eyes down here. <laughs> when I wear a mask, my mask sits right here and covers my birthmark. So I'm just walking around as one of you. Ugh. I meet new people while I'm wearing a mask all the time, right? And eventually, I take my mask off and they see my birthmark for the first time, and every single time, the reaction is the same. It's always exactly like when you see a man take his hat off, and you're like, that hairline is not where I thought it was going to be. <laughs> 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 
Well played. <laughs> Recently, I was in San Francisco visiting my family, and my father and sister found themselves trapped in the car with me while I explained to them in great detail the dangers of garlic clove anal suppository. <laughs> So the reason for that is, science lesson, real quick, real quick. The reason for that is, you actually have two sphincters in your butt. There is the one that you know about, which you can control. Some of you just tried it right now. <laughs> and then three to five inches up, there's actually another one, which you have no control over, which is for holding everything in, which is great because it keeps you from pooping your pants all the time. But it does mean if you put something small without a flared base, such as a garlic clove, into your butt, there's a good chance your body is gonna it right up. And then that's just a bad episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is, the point that I'm trying to make is, you can take the kid out of the sex shop, but you can't take the garlic clove out of your butt. Our parents didn't grow up with a love language. I know that. Because I was on a date once, before I even found out about it, a girl asked me what was my love language. I was like, I didn't even know what that is. She was like, like how did you feel love from your family growing up? And I was like, oh, threats of violence. <laughs> my mom would threaten to murder me, and then she wouldn't. And I would be like, she loves me. <laughs> Bad at sex. So are most of you, though. That's how being good at stuff works. For everyone, LeBron James, there's a hundred of this guy. No disrespect, sir. I just don't think you can bang in the post like that. I get annoyed. Everybody hypes up sex. I think that we should glorify our other qualities. I have other great qualities. I'm an incredible friend. How come that never comes up when I have my dick in my hand? It's not the in and out of sex. I'm bad at it. I understand that. It's a pretty simple move. My issue with sex is that I'm, I'm bad at multitasking. I'm not a good multitasker. That's not the way that God made me. Like, I was having sex with a woman. She was real. And uh, <laughs> I was having sex with her. And she wanted me to talk dirty. She was like, talk dirty to me. And I was like, no. <laughs> We've been talking all night. I was so good at talking, you let me have sex with you. Can I shut the up for 15 minutes? How do you not believe in any conspiracy theories? I understand not all of them, not most of them, but you don't believe in any conspiracy theories? You just think the government's just batting a thousand and telling us the whole truth? That's a strong stance to take. And again, as I said before, I don't like talking about politics on stage or off stage. I don't like talking about things I don't feel like I'm truly knowledgeable in. But I do know this. Our government is placed in charge of all of its people. I'm a father who's been placed in charge of just one son. And I lie to that nigga all the time. <laughs> You're always wet. I'm always wet every day in New York, somehow. Summer, it's humid. I'm walking ass wet, armpits wet. Random air conditioners dripping on you. Was that an air conditioner? I don't know. Keep going. Wet, wet, wet. Fall, I put a jacket on. Then the sun comes out. Neck wet, head wet, backpack wet. Winter, you put on all these clothes, right? Then you sit in the subway. Heat, neck wet, hamstrings wet, feet wet. Change my socks, feet wet. Change my socks. 
spring, raining, raining, wet, bus, puddles, wet. I'm always wet. Living in New York is like being Leonardo DiCaprio in every single one of his movies. Let's go through them. What do you want to start with? Titanic drowns to death. Wet. Great Gatsby dies in the pool at the end. Wet. Shutter Island, it's an island. Wet. The beach? Wet. Give me some. Give me some Leonardo movies. Give me some. Inception, first dream, pouring rain, wet. Gangs in New York, he's in the whorehouse, sweating the whole time, wet. Gilbert Grape takes a bath in the second act, wet. Give me some more. Departed, movie theater scene, wearing a hat, starts raining on him, wet. Revenant, starts in a fucking river, wet. Great Gatsby, I already said it was the second example. What's wrong with this audience? He dies in the pool at the end, pay attention, wet. Blood Diamond runs into a river, shooting a machine gun. Wet. Aviator crashes into the ocean. Wet. Basketball Diaries, top of the building, jerking off, starts raining on him. Wet. He's always wet. He is always wet. Tom Cruise always running. They should do a movie together called He's Running, I'm Wet. I am gay, and to add on to that, my older brother is also gay, so my dad is real proud. <laughs> yes. The thing is, like, I was a very flamboyant kid, you know what I mean? Like, there was no question. And it didn't occur to me that my older brother might have also been a flamboyant kid until my mom sent me some family videos recently of when we were younger. <laughs> it's when the Chicago Bulls won a championship, and they're going around the entire house, and my whole family's screaming. They're like, Michael Jordan rules! Michael Jordan rules! Then they get to my nine-year-old brother, and he's like, well, if anyone rules, it's Janet Jackson. <laughs> And I can just imagine, like, my mom trying to have a conversation with my dad being like, Steve, I think this one's gayer than the other one. Do we have any strippers in here? Are you really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is kind of a big night for strippers, so if you're a stripper and you're here, you're probably not a great one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the body of a stripper. I would be like a Tuesday night stripper. I'm a Tuesday night stripper. I'm working my way up to Sunday brunch. Since I don't have the body of a stripper, I would just use something. So I, would, I think I would just make really serious eye contact with everybody like this. That's why I'm a Tuesday night stripper. I wish that we all had a horn that was one octave lower in the car. <laughs> that lets everyone know that you know you've made a mistake. <laughs> and you're no longer accepting outside feedback. That's really what I need. 
Like we all have a hand, I need a honk. I need like a low, like a baritone to let everyone leave me alone. So when I'm in the middle of an intersection, someone will be like, what is this idiot? And you just hear honk and be like, she knows, she knows. <laughs> Please let me finish this eight point turn. I'm very stressed. There's too many humans in New York. There's too many humans. Eight and a half million people live in 300 square miles. Why? If you break that down, that's 27,000 people per mile. How do you live? Whose idea was this? Y'all just strapped two islands together with some bridges and was like, oh, y'all got to see this now. I was a loser in high school. It was my fault though. Like, I realize it, uh, it's my fault. I went to three different high schools, okay? The first high school I went to, I was like, wow, everybody here is a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then I got to another high school, and I was like, wow, lightning strikes twice. <laughs> everybody here is a fucking asshole, too. And then I got to the third high school, and I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> I was like, it was me the whole time. I looked down, I had a rolling school bag. I was like, perhaps I had something to do with this. I think it might have been my fault. I don't have a degree. I didn't even go to college. And I'm glad I didn't because I do this, so I don't have to go to college for this. And all of my friends that went to college are in crazy debt, like real debt. I got a friend that's $80,000 in debt with an English degree. I learned English for free. <laughs> this is the first thing I learned. It was the first thing I learned. And I talk to this dude every day. I understand everything he's saying. <laughs> he doesn't know a special kind of English. He doesn't talk like the Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's just regular English. And you know what he does for a living? He teaches English. Because that's the only thing you can do with an English degree. It's a pyramid scheme. I ended up coming out to my family not too long ago, and my parents, they both have very different reactions. Uh, my dad probably took it the hardest at first. My dad was like, oh my God, I can't believe my son is gay. I could have a stroke, I could have a heart attack. And I was like, you're being such a queen right now. <laughs> it's kind of my moment, and you are hogging the spotlight, so fall back. Um, my family is Jamaican, by the way, and homophobia is like our second best Olympic sport. <laughs> like, it's like bobsledding, boom, you know? Like, they get to it. I think the funniest thing that my dad said, though, he was like, my brothers are recording his reaction, and he was like, you know, it's like, you ask your son to go mow the lawn, and he just decides to be gay. <laughs> and, like, I wanted to be mad, but that's exactly what happened, honestly. <laughs> he asked me one too many times, I was like, I'm gonna go suck a hate it here. <laughs> I worked with kids. My favorite kids were the ones who were always getting in trouble, the ones who broke the rules. I thought they were cool as hell. I was like, fight the power. Ultimately, I was the power, but I still, you know, I love those kids. And I had this one kid, he was constantly breaking the rules right in front of my face. He had no respect for me. I would die for him. I was like, that is correct. Do not respect these people in charge. But one day there was another teacher in the room and they were like shadowing me and he was on his phone for a long time so I had to like, you know, kind of be the boss. And so I went up to him and I was like, hey man, um... <laughs> you, um... You know that I don't even care about shit like this. 
but you know, why don't you put that phone away for me, all right? And he said back to me in a completely quiet classroom, probably the loudest I've ever heard anybody say anything, fuck you, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, so that's an interesting point. Let's go to the hallway. <laughs> so I was like, okay, now I gotta go out there and like step to him as a man. This is a 12 year old. I have to like come to him man to man. And I went out there and I got on his level and I said, first of all, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, <laughs> fat, white, gay. Either one of us at any moment, if we so chose, could win an Oscar. You killed it when you said that. And I'm proud of you. But then I had to tell him something really devastating. I didn't want to tell him this. This broke my heart. But I had to look this kid in the eyes and tell him, you're gay. And... <laughs> Look, the facts are the facts. You're a 12-year-old boy who knows who Rosie O'Donnell is. So, does anybody here smoke weed? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, in California, it is really easy to get your medical marijuana card. Mm, I just got mine. Woo. For insomnia and depression, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you weren't supposed to put real things, so. You can basically have any ailment and qualify for your weed card. Mm -hmm. So we wrote a song about how easy it is. <laughs> Everyone knows marijuana's dangerous and medical pot is really strong. It's why it's so hard in California to get your weed card unless something's really wrong. Gonna pay a visit to my doctor. It's a long shot, but I gotta try. She hands me a list of all the ailments I can have to qualify. Can't believe what I am reading. This is just what I've been needing. A government supply to get legally high. Weed card, that's what I need. Hardly ever okay, always. But it's not an addiction, cause my doctor gave me a prescription. You can get your card for having headaches, bad dreams, or anxiety, propensity for drugs or alcohol, anorexia or obesity, too fat, too thin, either way you win. Carpal tunnel syndrome, color blindness, stuttering, to tooth decay, fatigue, depression, motion sickness, impotence, or TMJ. You can smoke to quit cigarettes or asthma or your Tourette's. It's a dream come true. There's nothing pot can't do. Weed card, that's what I need. Hardly ever okay, always. But it's not an addiction, cause my doctor gave me a prescription. I broke it down now, got back pain, need Mary Jane, can't handle this, need cannabis, got a stomach ache, got a wake and bake, have an injury, need THC, get messed up for your hyperhidrosis, which is sweaty palms in case you need a diagnosis. <laughs> it's not a crime, it's 420 time. Weed card, that's what I need. Hardly ever okay, always, but it's not an addiction, cause my doctor gave me a prescription. If y'all ever almost died at a Burger King and, <laughs> and found out you wasn't as real of a nigga as you thought you were, just, that's just me, all right. Was, I was at the counter ordering 
And I was on the phone with my cousin, and I was like, all right, cuz, I'll see you later. Uh, there happened to be a crip standing behind me. <laughs> cuz is their word. They don't like when you say that shit. If you don't understand gang culture, it's like when you say Voldemort when you're not supposed to. <laughs> Glad we on the same page. <laughs> so he gets mad, he gets in my face. He said, I heard you say cuz, nigga, with them east side niggas, where you from, nigga? I don't know how to deal with these situations because I went to private school. <laughs> so I went down on Trump on the nigga. I said, look, I think there's very fine people on both sides. Being gay is expensive and they don't talk about that. It's expensive. And like, I'm picky with my gay. That's the thing, I'm not gay for everybody. Very picky. Like when ugly girls find out I'm gay, they be like, you gay? I be like, nah. This has absolutely nothing to do with you, no. I'm not dating an ugly guy. I'm not gonna date an ugly girl, that's a waste. If I'm gonna be gay, I need to be top-notch gay. So I went and found me a girlfriend, she's beautiful. And it's crazy, because I picked the restaurant for the first date. We met at the restaurant. She was dressed up, I was dressed up, it was cute. We ordered food, she got food, I got food. She got drinks, I got drinks. She was like, let's take shots. I was like, let's take shots. <laughs> Took shots, she was like, let's get dessert. I was like, baby, let's do it. <laughs> and then the bill came out, right? And it got quiet like this. Because at that point, we was just two beautiful women sitting across from each other. And I was confused because I was trying to figure out who was paying for it because I knew I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying for this. I don't know what she's thinking, but I know I'm not. So the waiter came back out to the table. He was like, are you ladies ready yet? I was like, we are not. We have a problem. Give us a second. Figure this out. So I looked at her across the table and I was like, well, since I picked the restaurant, I think I should be the judge of this. So I looked at her. And then I looked back at myself and I was like, well, my titties are bigger than yours. So you the man by default. <laughs> Pay this bill and make sure you tip, sir. <laughs> and she did, she paid it. She's a great guy, she's a good one.